I should have announced this before the service. We always debate whether or not to keep the hymnals in the chairs or on the rack. We move these chairs so often that they fall out all the time and they get messy, so we've been keeping them on the rack. If you want a, a songbook, a hymnal, they're on the rack there and just kind of get in the habit of taking them to your, your seats. 90% of our songs that we sing are there in that book with the music, so you can always, you always do that. So it says, like when it says 539, uh, that's the name of the hymn and then the various verses. All right, uh, but anyway, uh, we'll start off today, so play along with me. Knock, knock. Lettuce. Let us alone. We're busy, right? Or knock, knock. Cantaloupe. Cantaloupe tonight. Daddy's got the car. Some of you maybe get that one. Uh, all right, uh, so I'm going to ask Vicar his first duty here is, Vicar, you're going to have to play along with me. Go ahead. Who's there? Vicar. Vicar who? Right? We know the joke. Knock, knock, who's there? But when it's real life, and it's someone that you think should know you, and they say, Vicar, or Nate, or Joel, who? Or Jeff, who? Or whatever, who? That's no joke, right? When all of a sudden somebody who you thought should know you well doesn't know you at all. And it's especially no joke if Jesus would say that. And yet, that's exactly what we heard. I'm not sure if you caught it, but that's what we heard him saying in that gospel reading from Luke chapter 13, uh, just a little bit earlier, where it says, Many, many, I tell you, will try to enter and, and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will, be stand, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. And then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine knocking on Jesus' door and, and, and seeing him, you know, he looks through that little peephole and says, I don't know you. Get away from me. Get off my doorstep. Wow. Yeah. Hits you right there, right? And, and, and you know, I, I think of every time, uh, spring of the year, we talk about Jesus' suffering and death. So we know Jesus died on the cross in the springtime. So every s spring, we, we observe a season called Lent, which is six weeks long. And we focus on the suffering and death. And one of the things that we, we often talk about is how one of Jesus' friends, one of his followers by the name of Peter, denied knowing Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. He said, I don't know that Jesus. And we talk about, uh, when, we, when we talk about those lessons, we say, man, how that must have hurt Jesus. Just a, a knife to his back and, and, and a big twist and, and how it, it just must have really hurt Jesus. He was standing trial and he, he gave Peter that glance across the courtyard. What are you doing? You said you don't know me? You even swore you don't know me three times? And, and we have a nice tendency to try to pile on Peter and we say, how could you do that, Peter? 
How could you deny Jesus? How could you say you don't know him? And yet, it's exactly what Jesus says to us today. Or what he potentially says. As he takes us to this future conversation in eternity. And not once, but twice. He says, I don't know you. I don't know who you are or where you're from. Now, understand there's a huge difference between Peter saying that and Jesus saying that. Peter said, I don't know you out of fear. Jesus may say, I don't know you out of judgment. Because that's what sin does. Sin separates us from God. Uh, so to the point that Jesus says, you know what, you're dead to me. That, that's really what death is. Death is separation. When you die, your body separates from your, your soul. And so when we talk about spiritual death, it's saying our sins are separating us from God. And, and then when we have a eternal death, it's really saying our body and our souls are separated from God forever, for eternity. I mean, and, and, and that's, that's scary to think about. And we think, man, what would that be like? Completely separated from, from all of God's goodness, completely separated from all of God's forgiveness, completely separated from his, 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 his kindness, his forgiveness. And while that is the worst part of what we call hell, there's a secondary aspect of hell that also makes it a horrible place. While, while there is a door, or, or while there is a wall that separates us uh, from heaven, and, and the Bible makes this clear, you can't go from heaven to hell. There is a big chasm in between. But it seems like there's windows. Uh, at least twice in the Bible, it gives us indication that people in hell can, can peer into heaven. And that adds to their agony. And, and you saw it in this little lesson that, that Jesus has with this conversation as he's teaching. He said, you know, there, you will see your ancestors. He's talking to this one guy. You're going to see Abraham, and you're going to see Isaac, and you're going to see Jacob, and you're going to be thrown, but you're going to be thrown out. Imagine how that adds to the agony of hell, seeing someone else enjoy what you can't. That's the ultimate display of, of what we would call FOMO. You know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. Some of you suffer from it worse than I My wife suffers from it worse than anybody I know. Uh, she really does. She's suffering FOMO right now. Uh, she flew up to the Midwest to help our kids get settled into college this week, and she really wants to be here for baptism. So she got the earliest flight, and she's landing at 10 o'clock right now, dropped the car off, so she might be here soon. Um, if flights work, who knows? Uh, but yeah, you know, you suffer from FOMO, but imagine the, the FOMO of suffering in hell. You're separated from God, and you also don't see, you're not with your loved ones who are there, and you're missing out. And So no wonder, no wonder there's this description here that there is going to be weeping there. Weeping that is is brought on by sadness, but there's also this gnashing of teeth, what is brought on by anger. And I thought really hard 
about talking about hell today. Because I knew there'd be some first-time guests here. I'm like, do I really want to talk about hell today when there's first-time guests and, and friends and family that maybe I've never met before? And yet, is there anything more important to talk about? And isn't it really something that's on all of our hearts and all of our minds? That we may not call it heaven, we may not call it hell, but if we are honest with ourselves in the deepest crevices of our mind and heart, we ask the question, what's after this? There's got to be something more than this, right? That is what we ask. And, you know, even the Bible says, the Bible says God has placed the concept of eternity into the human heart. And so this is the something that, that is, is deep inside of us, and so, so we might as well talk about it rather than just ignore it. And this is scary, right? When we think that we might be weeping or gnashing of teeth. In fact, you, even just talking about hell might lead us to gnash our teeth today, angry at God. God, how could you do such a thing? God, how could you ignore the people knocking at the door and saying, Jeff who? Brandon who? Or, you know, isn't that a, a mean God? that we have. And yet the reality is God's not the one who built that wall. Let's not blame God for something he didn't do. God is actually the one who made a door into heaven. And we're going to talk about that. He's the one who framed the door up when he cried out, it is finished, paying for all of our sins on the cross. And he hung that door when he walked away from his empty tomb, knowing that we could also walk away from the our tombs, our graves someday. But the sin, the wall that separates us from God, that's, that's not God-made. That's human-made. And, and the sin that, that he addresses here, and he could have picked any one of the sins, but the, the sin that seems to be prevalent here in this conversation is the sin of pride. There's this one man who comes up to Jesus And he looks at all the crowds out there, and he asks this question. This is what starts the whole story. Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And in the context of that question, he is not doubting that he's one of the few. He is one of the chosen people. His ancestors are Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I am part of God's Old Testament family, therefore I'm there. But but what about all those other people out there? The riffraff, you know? What about them, Jesus? Are only a few are going to get in? And that's when Jesus turns the question on end. He basically tells this guy, hey, don't worry about everybody else. Don't worry about the few. Worry about you. And that's when he gives these words. He says, make every effort. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. What's the narrow door? Uh, The narrow door from the rest of Scripture, but even here, we know very clearly is is Jesus himself. And maybe that doesn't make sense to us. We would say, well, if God wants everybody to be saved, why doesn't he just make the door wide? (laughs) 
You know, why not put in a few sliders, patio sliders, or, or garage doors like you have at the restaurants now. And someday when we build our church, I want garage doors so we can just spill out into a patio area or something like that. But, you know, why not do that? Or, or you know, maybe it's, you know, it's almost the opposite of that old game show. You remember that game show, um, uh, Let's Make a Deal? Uh, where it's say, okay, you can pick any door you want, and you'll get the prizes behind there. Do you want door number one? Where it says, okay, you can get into heaven because of who you are. And Jesus says, no, that won't work. All right, door number two, get into Jesus because, or get into heaven because of where you're from. And Jesus says, no, that door doesn't work either. All right, well, get into heaven, door number three, because you're acquainted with Jesus. You ate and drank with him, and he taught in your streets. And Jesus says, no, that doesn't work either. He says, you see that little service door in the corner? That little utility door? That's the only entrance, because that's me. He very clearly says, I, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that, that uh, the narrow door is exclusive. All right, he very clearly makes it, as we saw in the other readings here too, right? That, that people come from the east and the west and the north and the south. It's not, it's not just a few people that can pass through that narrow door, but his point is that the door is narrow. You can't bring anything else along with you. So if you're saying it's Jesus plus something else is what's going to get me into heaven, boom, you're going to run into the wall. You're not going to go through the door. Or if it's you and my puffed up pedigree, your, your head's going to be too fat to get through the door. Or if it's going to be you and your exaggerated resume of good works, it's no, again, you're going to be too big to fit through that door. What Jesus says is it's, it's narrow, not because not many people go through it, but it's narrow because there's only one way to get through it. You know, I almost did that as a children's sermon. If I set up the chairs as a fake door here, you know, if, if I made it wide, they could walk through this way. But if I make it narrow, you can only go this way. And that's what Jesus says. He says there's only one way to get through that narrow door, and that's through me. In Christ alone, our hope is found. That's what he's talking about here. And that's... That's the beautiful promise that he, we saw today. Even in the waters of baptism, that he connected Audrey to himself. So that if, God forbid, anything would happen to Audrey, and she would be knocking on heaven's door today, Jesus would look through that little people, and he wouldn't say, Audrey who? He'd say, oh, Audrey. I know you. Come on in. And he says the same to you and to you and to you. By God's grace, you know Jesus. You know that way through the narrow door. Now, at the same time, Jesus goes on to say, don't become complacent with that. Don't just say, well, yeah, I was baptized. I was maybe baptized there as a kid, or, or maybe I went to church once upon a time. No, what does he say here? He says, make every effort, make every effort to enter through that narrow door. That's an interesting phrase that those words make every effort in the original language, the, the New Testament was written in Greek. It's just one word. It has the, has, it's the same word that we get the word agony from. It's going to take hard work. And it's really the, the word that they would use for athletes. 
Or you think of, you know, Greeks way back when, what were they known for? The Olympics. And so you think about what would it take to be an Olympian? You just want to say, oh yeah, I'm going to be an Olympian. Boom. Okay. No, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. It changes the way you eat. It changes the way you sleep. It changes who you hang around. It maybe changes where you go to school. It maybe changes your finances. It takes a lot of work. And so too, Jesus says, make every effort to go through that, that narrow door. That, that to think about, you know, it, it maybe changes the way what you read. It maybe changes what you study. It maybe changes uh, what you listen to. It maybe changes the people you hang around. It maybe changes how you spend your money or how you spend your vacations. It maybe changes on, on where you go to school. It might even change where you live. I mean, so often I've heard, you know, especially in our mobile society, people are moving all the time, and I'll ask the question, okay, so what's, you know, is, where are you going to go to church? Or, or how are you going to stay connected to Jesus? Oh, I hadn't thought about that, right? Make every effort. Sounds like a lot of hard work, right? It is. But it's not hard work to get into heaven. It's easy to get into heaven. The hard work was all done by Jesus. He lived, he died, he rose again. So it's not hard to get into heaven. You don't have to make any effort to get into heaven. What Jesus is saying, though, is to make every effort not to go into hell. That is hard work. Because there are, bless- there are temptations and friends that are maybe trying to always lure us away from the narrow door and to see what's behind door number one, door number two, or door number three. And so make every effort uh, to stay connected to Jesus because it's only in Him that we get that entrance into heaven. You know, as I was preparing this, this sermon, I, I couldn't help but get a, a true story out of my head. It's a friend of a friend's story. It's not a firsthand story. Um, but there was an ER nurse uh, who was working uh, one night, and uh, a woman came in in critical condition. And they were, you know, the doctors and the nurses were trying to work on her, and she died. Uh, she died for 45 minutes, which I thought you couldn't come back from that, but I studied it, and you can. Um, so, but she woke up again after 45 minutes. But when she woke up, she woke up with this look of terror and horror on her face. And so after they calmed her down and got it all settled in, a while later, the ER nurse who was there said, um, can I ask you a question? What were you thinking about? before you woke up. And the woman said, and, and this is one of those near-death experiences, I, I should clarify this, the Bible doesn't talk about what happens at near-death experiences. You know, we talk about the white lights and the calming voices and all that stuff. All that might be possible. We just don't know the way your, your brain works and the way your soul works with all that stuff. So I'm not making a statement here. I'm just telling the story, okay? But she said, when I died... I saw this white light, and it was calming, and it was soothing. And I heard the voice, this, this, the voice of laughter and joy. And so I started to walk towards that white light. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the joy and the laughter became louder and louder, and I realized it was kids playing outside. Like, you can't even mimic that. And so she said, I started to run. 
So I just wanted to get there so quickly. And I'm like, am I in heaven? Am I going to heaven? This is awesome. So she's full out sprinting towards the white light, towards the sound of the kids. And all of a sudden, boom, she hits a wall, a glass wall. And she sees the kids there and she's trying to get their attention. She's pounding on the wall. They don't hear her. And so she starts to wave her hands, and she starts screaming at the top of her lungs. Nothing. And finally, she realizes it's useless. She gives up, and she collapses. And that's when she woke up. And she said, I woke up with a new perspective that I never want to be on the outside of heaven looking in. And neither do we. But by the grace of God, through Jesus, we don't have to be. And by the grace of God, through Jesus, you won't be. Because by the grace of God, through Jesus, you know, you know that he is the narrow door the only way into heaven. And so through Jesus and his power, may you continue to make every effort to go through that narrow door. Amen. Please stand now uh, for the